The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 240 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analyst's work you can find at MMAJunkie.com, as well as MMA Junkie Radio. But... On this year's program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. Uh, getting it out 24 hours, just 24 hours probably by the time this gets edited, uploaded, and all that jazz before the event that is UFC 240. Um, wanted to make sure I got all the tape study in. You know what's been happening? I've been getting... You know, I've been cutting you guys short on some of these matchups in interest of trying to hit this Thursday deadline that I'm trying to stick to. And that, in between this other issue that I kind of spoke about, where like I'll, I'll kind of, you know, still be trying to run the me slash adult uh, errands, I should say, things that need to be getting done. I'll, I'll sacrifice some prelims, leave it on a Saturday because it's just the schedule never stops. So uh, I'm, I'm finding that between research and or missing some of these fights and saying I'm going to go back and rewatch them, but I don't because I have to turn the page much faster than most with my beat, so it's like I, 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 I'm I getting worse and worse recollection, so I want to stop cutting those corners and instead uh, just hold myself accountable, uh, but yeah, I got fresh takes though uh, for all the fights at least, uh, needless to say, uh, you know, minus one, Tanner Bozier's fight, who, you know, fucking... Was that, is that an IFL sounding name or what? I mean, poor guy, I feel bad. Uh, you know, I'm just saying, like, Tanner Bozier. I just felt like I was back in 2006. Like, Team Anaconda's Tanner Bozier. Uh, just felt very IFL. Anyways, we're going to get to the uh, breakdown timestamps as per usual as far as when the breakdown starts. Stop. Uh, and yes, again, stop as in I recap my picks and plays at the end in case you guys just want to fast forward to that part of it, which is totally cool. Forewarning, I don't know how many plays there will be, but a lot of takes on the fights. You can do what you will, apply them, this analysis to your fantasy play, to your degenerate ways, or just because you like the technique and want to want to hear me nerd out on it. And there's a lot to nerd out on, despite at the end of the day when I when I when I go back and look at the plays that I placed after uh, before I get on here and I go, it's really not, not much. Um, there'll be there'll be some degenerate stuff. I'll list that as it goes along, but you know, what we're just going to do a real brief brief recap of UFC and ESPN4. Some other notes here. Um not really much to say about contender series. That's still going on and uh, it's a good time. Um thank you all for tuning into the preview shows. Uh shout outs to John Morgan, Ken Hathaway, of course Nolan King who He's on vacation right now, but you wouldn't know because that dude just like breaking news and uh, putting out stories. Uh, so, some of my favorite features are his Dana White Contender Series ones, part, uh, crucial part of my research. So shouts to Nolan as well, uh, as the rest of everybody on Junkie. Who we're trying to get on Junkie Raid, I think we had Dave Doyle this week. Hopefully we get uh, Farrah on, uh, Nolan. Uh, 
Well, the time changes are fair. Anyways, I'm, I'm speaking out loud. You guys don't need to. You guys are here for the breakdown. Uh, before that, let's just do, a, again, a brief recap. Leon Edwards beat Rafael Dos Anjos. Real masterful performance. Like, I had to turn the page and go right to, you know, like Frank Yeager tape study, kind of like I tweeted and was watching some of his Benson Henderson fights. Um, and, uh, and I just couldn't stop seeing them. I'm like, oh, this rise this smacks of something familiar. And Leon Edwards is very similar to Benson Henderson. Different in their fighting styles. Um, you know, Leon doesn't like that right hook to the body that Benson does, and maybe he's not quite as creative in the clinch, but he's really good in the clinch, man. Um, really fall in love with that left elbow. That wasn't always necessarily a part of his game, too. It's only really kind of come about recently, but he's, he's trying to get a name for it and, and everything, and uh, hey, man, whatever. It's it's He's awesome. He just It, it sucks he's going to be a longer road for him. He's going to still need uh, at least another fight to get a title shot, which is sad, but... It's just the way things are, and it's pretty stacked at the top, so we'll see what happens there. I just hope they don't keep making Dos Anjos' fucking gatekeeper rule. I think he's already overperformed at, like, at welterweight, even if he didn't put him against like the top position. like I, He did better than even I would have thought, you know? Um, and then you factor in, you know, he's going against champions, former champions, soon-to-be champions, and those are the only guys he's winning and or losing to. And, you know, some clear but competitive decisions for what that's worth. I know people have issue with that word, but it can mean many things. But yeah, he's competitive. He's very competitive at this weight class. So I hope they stop doing that to him and give him a maybe a a nicer matchup. Um, you know, I don't think Pettis is going to lose against Nate Diaz. I think that's a bad match for Nate Diaz. Not many people saying that. Maybe it's the elephant in the room. Not because not, not many people think it. I think many people think it. It's just we like Nate Diaz and we're excited for him to actually come back. And that's kind of a whole issue in its own. But if Nate uh, somehow beats Anthony. Um, I think, you know, you do a losers versus losers. Rafael versus Anthony rematch at 170 would be fun. Anyways, Walt Harris defeat Alexei Olenek. Uh, again, this, this, this Harris theme that I'm guilty of spreading just as much as the next guy. I'm not being able to trust him. Uh, he does have a deceptive resume, something I said before the fight. And now after he does what, you know, even people like myself that weren't kind of unsure, at the end of the day we picked and predicted for him to not just win-win like that, now, now we're, much more of us are, are looking at that resume. So it'll be real interesting to see where Walt Harris goes next. Hopefully, Olenek, um can go out on a win, uh, uh, come back and go out on a win if he's planning to retire. Greg Hardy defeats Juan Adams. A clean victory there. Uh, no issue with that. <laughs> I know uh, Smoogie doesn't say the nicest things about MMA Junkie, but, man, he is some funny shit. Smart guy. And uh, what was the fucking... Uh, Anyways, the way to my heart is 90s basketball references, folks. And, and he referenced the, uh, the, <laughs> the uh, 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 Jeff Van Gundy uh, the Jeff Van Gundy incident and uh, Charles Oakley and, uh, yeah, the, the whole gang there. Anyways, um, Dan Hooker defeat James Vick. Yeah, glad James Vick's moving up to welterweight. Again, that was a big... There were technical things, but uh, that was a big reason why I, I, I and many probably picked against him in that spot. Um Alexander Hernandez defeats Francisco Trinaldo. Yeah, I didn't have it for... I picked uh, Hernandez, and, and I, I didn't have it for him at all. Uh, I had that for Trinaldo. So I guess maybe a good thing I didn't change my pick, right? Uh, Andre Arlovsky defeated Ben Rothwell. Like, where the fuck was that, Andre Arlovsky? That was a fun fight. I just feel bad for Ben Rothwell. Fan of him and the stuff that I can imagine he's had to overcome in these past couple of years. So hopefully uh, he's not deterred and comes back to a nice another nice matchup uh, stylistically. Uh, Alex Caceres defeated Steven Peterson. Uh, I was kind of half watching this, but I just I I don't see how uh, really a judge gave him the first round. 
That was the thing about the judging. Like, bad judging, it's not like I'm surprised, especially when you're in places like Texas or as we're going to talk about Edmonton, Canada. Um, albeit their commission has cleaned up a lot since, you know, in the last, in the last uh, recent history, apparently. Well, I don't know. <laughs> this is just from what I hear. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> it's not about bad, bad being surprised about bad judging or being upset about bad judging. It's that I get upset more so when it's inconsistent bad. And we had a lot of that where, okay, we're not favoring dominant position and we're favoring damage, even if it's a guy that gets cut all the time. And really, you know, at least in that first round, like, I don't know. I, 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 okay, fine. We're, we're favoring damage. That's kind of the trend anyways. But then, you know, we have other fights on the card where we're favoring a uh, position. Like, uh, we'll get to, the, it's at the end here, Domingo Palarte versus Felipe Corrales. And it wasn't an atrocity by any means. Uh, I, I, I would have to go back and watch it. Um, I haven't, so I, I can't even argue. But even if I did, I still wouldn't argue that it's atrocity by any means. Like, I could definitely see, obviously, how Felipe Corrales, you know, got that round. But it's like, he was getting the round by doing, like, 2006 to 2010 uh, cage pressing tactics. You know, that phenomenon that grew pretty strong, which made matchmakers like Joe Silva fucking hate any fighter who did that shit to win the fight uh, because that was just the way to stall, be safe, and convince the judges in close rounds that you were in control. Um, and I can see why matchmakers hate it. I hate it as watching it. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a guy who's like, was not a hater of guys like John Fitch's style or, like, grinders, but... What Felipe Corrales was, was not was impressive in the fact that he corrected what you know essentially like he w w was doing wrong before, just giving way too much for being a supposed black belt. But if you really break down the second round, even though I completely understand why he got it, I'm like I didn't understand like who landed the better strike standing, Domingo Pilarte. Uh who had the submission catches, and they were actually decent submission catches. Domingo Pilarte was going for submissions the whole time, and I feel like he was in danger on the ground. Uh, damage, whether it was the submission catches, elbows off the back, or the strikes, punches, and kicks standing. Domingo Pilarte. So it's like when you go through all those check marks, like, okay, how the hell did he not win that round? Okay, I guess we're, you know, favoring position tonight. But then again, Steven Peterson playing for the positions. Can't even get a fucking round scored for him, uh, at least on one judge's card. So it just, uh, inconsistency is what bothers me more. Uh, Raquel Pennington defeated Arin Aldana. Um, I didn't watch that one that closely. Another split decision. Uh... I, I remember having an opinion on that too. Sorry, guys. I know these late recaps suck. Uh, again, another reason why I'm gonna have once. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be be, be uh, doing some recaps, uh, hedging out times for these separately. So, till then, they're gonna be quick like this, which is good for days like these. Clinton Abreu defeated Sam Alvey, unanimous decision. Sam, acting surprised there, just really. Oh man, I just I'll leave it at that, man. I'm, I like Sam Alvey. Uh, I've been on his podcast, friends who are friends with him, you know, again, but you can't defend that shit. Like, that was just disturbing. That was really disturbing, the fact that he's surprised. With his style, with his history, he should be the last person surprised, and I'll just leave it at that. Jennifer Maya defeated Roxanne Maldaferi. Um This one just sucked because, you know, Maya, Maya missed weight, and then Perry didn't even acknowledge it, which is always shitty. I'm a big acknowledgement person, too. Maybe... Roxy, since she's a nice person, we have that kind of same wiring, maybe in that sense, just maybe people acknowledging things a big thing to her. And that really sucks, because, yeah, I mean, she's been at a weight disadvantages, legally or not, um, a few, you know, multiple times in her career. And this is kind of her last run, uh, a crucial point, and that's very disrespectful uh, for a fighter, any fighter to come in overweight, but especially like that. And Jennifer Maia, I don't know if she had a history of it, Invicta, 
But you can just tell by the way she's built. Like she needs everything to, like, she needs everything to fucking go right for her to be on weight. Um, like she really does, you know. Like, and I'm not saying that as disrespect. Like, I'm just saying, like, you look at her like frame, like. It's just one of those things where it's like not everybody is like quote unquote fat or whatever. Like, oh, I'm big bone. Like, no, like some people, it, genetics are a real thing. Like some people should be bigger and it's actually healthier for them. <laughs> and in no way am I saying Jennifer Maya should be fat, but she should be, she's a big girl naturally. As my, as my gay uncle would say, B-O-G, big old girl. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a tiggo girl right there. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like, she should be big. She's, she's healthier that way. Like, she probably is going to be healthier at 135 as as, as uh, her career progresses here. She's already been fighting for a minute, but she's getting older now. And I'm not saying any of this to be mean or, or slight her or anybody of a bigger stature. If anything, I'm advocating for it. Uh, and I just don't know how much she's going to be able to make that weight. So you saw the size difference in there. It looked like back in her fucking Elite XC Strike Force days or whatever where Montefiore was fighting. 35ers. Um, Ray Borg back on track defeating Gabriel Silva. Um, picked this one right, but I, but I, I don't, I don't know. I can't remember if it was as competitive as I imagined, as I predicted it would have been. But uh, I'm glad Ray Borg got the win. Obviously, Mario De Batista. Someone put the Miguel Torres reference out there. I could not see it. It's like poor man's Miguel Torres versus Korean Zombie. Ended up being one of the better fights in the card. Clinch war. I'm glad they got the bonus there. And then of course we already went over Felipe. Corrales versus Domingo Polarte. 13 minutes in-ish. Not too bad, guys. Um, yeah, Dana White's Contender Series kind of went over that. I wrote down Stranger Things 3 here. Uh, no spoilers. Don't worry. I watched it. I, I will just say the ending kind of pissed me off. If anybody wants to talk to me or go back and forth with me on Twitter. But uh, I'll just say this. Remember that video? And this isn't a spoiler by any means. Trust me, guys, in any in any way. Anyway, you can cut this down. This isn't a spoiler, but uh, the people who did watch it will appreciate it. But you guys remember that Karate the Kid thing where, like, it was and the, the video or something was titled, like, Daniel-san. Ralph Macchio's character was the real villain, and it cuts, like, and it shows just kind of his actions. And I always appreciate breakdowns like that. Like, that's kind of, like, um, why I like, like, the How Did This Get Made podcast. Um, which, by the way, I also want to do some movie stuff, too, but I don't know how I want to go about it. And I'm not trying to jock on the Co-Main Event podcast, which I haven't listened to what they're doing. And uh, I do listen to their regular podcast. I'm just not a Patreon. They're awesome. You should go subscribe. No hate. Again, free plug, if anything. But I, what I imagine, I haven't listened to their movie thing, but what I imagine, it, I got to imagine it's kind of their own version of the How Did This Get Made podcast. So I couldn't do that anyway, so I'm going to go a different way about it. I don't know if I just do like some kind of bonus live tracks and keep it to just kind of uh, martial arts-related films, whether they're really bad, they're good, classics, or just low-key, like, hardcore nerd ones. Um, stuff like that, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm free for ideas there. But uh, anyways, the point is, uh, it was uh, the Stranger Things as uh, in comparison to Karate Kid, the, the good guy being bad. Uh, maybe maybe the good guy was a bad guy, and this again this isn't a spoiler or anything because it's, it's a it's a minor character, <laughs> really doesn't really contribute much to the series, but uh, and and I, Winona Ryder man, and and I'm not a celebrity crush dude. Maybe I'm still stuck in the '90s, but one of the only few celebrities I thought was hot, especially back in the day, was Winona Ryder. So if anything, I got a soft spot for her. But man, uh, I'll just say this: like she she uh, <laughs> she she could be the worst part, definitely probably the worst part of the season in retrospect when you kind of look back at things and just. Yeah, I'm like she's 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 a terrible person, 
Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, and I wrote down Highwaymen because I just needed to break away at one point of this week. And now I regret it when I'm late on episodes like that. And I guilt myself for stopping to watch one thing that wasn't fucking mixed martial arts related in the past two fucking weeks. Since I finished the Stranger Things thing was uh, I watched Highwaymen. Uh, it was it was good. I enjoyed it. But I feel like I watch so little movies now that I don't I don't trust my own opinion on whether things are good or not. Because I feel like half the time when I stop to watch something on Netflix, it ends up being complete trash. And sometimes I like that. Like I like actually watching trashy, low-budget movies that no one knows about. And they're, they're very rewarding in their own way. But, like, again, like, I don't watch things enough to where I'm like, am I enjoying this? Because I'm just enjoying, like, just kind of separating myself from watching people pummel each other in the face for a second. Uh, or, or what? But, uh, and, and then I always do this thing where, like, I'm like, oh, I'll watch a little bit of the movie. And then I always have to watch the whole thing. And then I'll do I watch the whole thing. And I'm like, ooh, I want to learn about these characters and Google these characters that this movie was about. And Google the time period. Like, oh, were the G-Men really tapping wires back then? Oh, were the... Like, I, I'm, I'm that nerd. Like, I, I can't just enjoy... I have to dissect everything. It's probably why I do what I do. Because I can't just enjoy the movie. I have to go back. Whether I hate it and I have to find some kind of verification, or whether it's scientific facts or other forms of people bringing up the same question, or it's like... Uh, it, it, I like it like this one, and it just drives me now. I have to learn kind of everything about it. Like, uh... Oh, anyways, I'm rambling on. I'll get to the, I'm getting to the breakdown here, folks. But let me know if you enjoyed or share my opinions, loose opinions. Because, uh, again, I, don't, I try to get too into anything uh, about those. Shouts, I wrote listeners, because I appreciate y'all for sticking with me, especially when I'm rambling like this. As I get to the breakdown, as my page expired, I'm pulling up odds. That's right, UFC 240. Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Hey, 17 minutes. That's actually not bad for... You know, prior episodes, uh, we can still, I don't know if this will be an expedited, but, uh, you know, I'm still going to cut through this as best I can. Uh, we're going to go from top to bottom, uh, main event, co-main event, anything I miss uh, should be on the written versions. All posted up now. A co-main event just went up this morning, a couple hours before I started recording this at MMAJunkie.com. Sip of Zavota. And, uh... <clears throat> We're underway. Main event, Max Holloway. Minus 350. Lines coming down to earth a little bit. Frank Yeager, plus 290. Kind of like I said in my breakdown, I don't disagree, obviously, with who the favorite is, but the line could be a little tighter. Um, that being said, I am surprised to see so much support for Frank Yeager. I don't know if it's nostalgia, hardcore fans. Um, the fact that maybe other people are kind of coming up like me and there's not a lot of spots, so maybe you're forcing your spots, you're wishing upon your spots, and that's not a bad place to wish. Um you know, a lot of the trend out there is, uh, you know, how good is Frankie Edgar? Okay, how many times has he really been the underdog? Uh, we could pick at that and, and do revisionist history, but the point is the guy's been an overachiever. You look at his size, even in the featherweight division, whether he was favored to win fights in lightweight or featherweight or not, he was overachieving the whole time, folks. And now as he's getting into the later chapter of his career as a lighter weight guy getting only you know, older, what is he, 37 now, 10-year difference between these two guys, um, <clears throat> the bottom has to drop out at some time. And there's been people that have been fading for the, the bottom to drop out for years now. Obviously, those people, if you've been one of them, have been proven wrong. Um, you know, I've, I've had mixed results betting against and with Frankie Edgar. Uh, but at no time did I, I kind of gave up on his you know, bottom being dropped off. Not that I ever really was a subscriber to that. Uh, that being said, I'm not counting on it here. I still think skill for skill, Max Holloway can win this fight. 
But I wouldn't be surprised if he does show up, you know, from this point onward. Uh, because, again, you know, nobody rides for free in life or in this game, especially of MMA. Uh, so, so I got to imagine it. That being said, you know, Holloway hasn't faced a takedown heavy guy, you know. I think Volkanovski is probably his toughest matchup on paper. Um, that being said, I, I would argue even at this stage of this career, uh, Frank Yeager, just because he's got a fully-fledged game, could be, you know, just as much of a... You know, don't get me wrong. Frank Yeager got messed up by Zabit, which is part of the reason why one of these fights didn't happen. And uh, if, if he fought Zabit, they would get messed up. And I like Zabit, but at the same time, I think... Uh, not that the hype should be calmed. He's got, uh, obviously, a high ceiling, but, I, I, you know, he's not just icing dudes and doing what, like, a... Uh, a John Jones as person, what what you know, some of us kind of have treated him in the past or talked to. I've heard people talk about him as. I don't know about that. I guess what I'm saying. I'm not saying he's not a ten, but I don't think he's a, a fucking ten point five like, a, you know, like how hype you know hype trains often get put up there. And uh, he's got the wrestling, which is an underrated part of the beats game and the best part in my opinion. But Frankie Edgar's ability to just transition to wrestling and muddy up scorecards, man. Um, if you don't find a way to kind of stun him and counter him, he does well. That being said, the guys who have countered him, whether it's southpaws like Benson or orthodox guys like Jose, I'm trying to find the common thread. And really, it just seemed like not so much necessarily bigger because size never been a thing for Frankie. If anything, he'll change levels under you that much easier. But I think more athletic in the set, not so much bigger, but more athletic guys who can counter is what it came down to. Obviously, you need some wrestling there, whether it's uh, you know, whether you come from a jiu-jitsu base or a, not as good of a wrestling base like Benson Henderson, but like Jose with the jiu-jitsu or Benson Henderson, uh, they developed obviously really good wrestling for MMA in different ways. Benson more offensive, although, you know, from kicking with one leg to his scrambles, obviously being no slouch, was able to contend when Edgar was able to get in on him. Uh... Whereas Jose, obviously, just defensive mastermind, just mainly uses it for his skills for defense and was just able to shuck off Frankie. Even in the first match uh, with some impressive stuff, and obviously in the second it was just some amazing highlight just of athleticism for Jose. Uh, and, 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 and Max has that, you know. Um, yeah, he was able to finally start seceding some takedowns in, in recent years against Brian Ortega, but that was just a dogfight, and... I actually was just really impressed. Again, you look at Ortega and the inches that he needs, how confident Max was able to scramble, tripod, re-swim, uh, clinch, separate from cl said clinch, etc. rinse and repeat. Uh, I was really impressed with that. And then <clears throat> Poirier was able to get one, but I, don't know, I can't remember if it was off a caught kick or it was just off, you know, it was like, I think it was like the fourth round latest. That was just a great fight, him and, him and Poirier. Um, <clears throat> but... Uh, the, you know, one of the ones that he went for, in like I believe it was the second round, you just see he actually gets a decent well-timed level change, Poirier does, and uh, has a good grip, and, and he's, he's in pretty deep on the hips. But Max immediately just separates his grip, uh, you know, with, with one hand, overhook hoists the other uh, arm away from his hip, Poirier's hip, or his Poirier's arm from his hip. And then just spins with the momentum and, and separates and pushes off like like nothing. And uh, and yeah, so I, I 
I think it's going to be a hard row for Frank, uh, to hoe for Frankie Edgar to get Max down. And if he gets him down, I'm not sure he's going to be able to do damage like he did to Yair. Um, if you remember my breakdown for that, I mean, I, it wasn't a surprise for me. I was big on Frankie there. I was screaming, like, slow the hype down on this Yair kid. On the, and on the ground, especially, it was you could really tell who knew jiu-jitsu and who didn't by, you know, you know, if you're giving Yair a shot with his, oh, his guard dexterity, like dexterity, like, it's so fucking barely blue beltish. Like, he's just throwing up shit. Uh, trying to get, you know, you can't do that against Frank Yeager. And Max ain't going to do that. So, um, uh, he looked pretty decent on the scales this morning. That's a good thing about doing these later podcasts. You get to see people on the scales, or, you know, you don't, you save yourself from breaking down a fight uh, that gets canceled. So, I guess that is, is, a, is a good thing. So, anyways, I'm going to take uh, Max Holloway here. I don't really see an angle. I mean, I, I'll throw Max in my normal, you know, for fun main card parlays and maybe another parlay for fun people. But, uh, my, you know, if you're laying any big chalk, I don't I don't know. Uh, good luck to you. Um, it's probably, you're probably not wrong. You, you'll probably cash. Uh, but I, I definitely don't know about laying a bet on Frankie Edgar. The pick is Max, Max Holloway, and I think it's by decision, you know. A lot of people are just thinking... Frankie's shot, and you know he, yeah, Max could piece him up, you know, come second or third round. Uh, but come the third round, I do expect Max to pull away. I don't know if he's going to get him out of there. Even Max said in some interviews he's not expecting to. I'm not a one punch guy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know that was a perfect shot. Ortega land on him. He didn't see coming. It was multiple shots, to be honest. So, yeah, picks Holloway. All right, uh, next Chris Cyborg minus five seventy. Felicia Spencer plus four thirty five. This line has come down to earth a little bit too. Um, but uh, but yeah, I got a, I got Cyborg here. Um, you know, Spencer. I'm not overlooking Spencer. If you remember, I'm one of the few people that was picking Spencer and playing her too. Like that was just that went exactly kind of how I broke it down. Um, and just really, you didn't need me to break it down. You really just needed to watch watch the fights. Uh, but Felicia Spencer, man, she's a you know again, she's a not trying to be me like this compliment. She's she's a big old girl. She she she's really. Fit and you know it's uh, the weight class. She's not just some some blown up one thirty five er, um, and she uses her size, man. She gets after it. Uh, whether it's the fourth round or the first, uh, she's not the prettiest wrestling, but it doesn't matter. She knows what she needs to chain to to go to it. She looks like she has plans A, B, and even C. I actually like the dropping of the deep half butterfly and kind of coming out the back door scramble, uh, creates the scramble and, and allowed her to get to her hips that you know. Uh, Megan Anderson was trying to correct this since the first time out, and uh, she got right around that. Um, Chris Cyborg, though, uh, uh, you know, since her strike force days, an underrated part of her game has been her counter wrestling. Uh, she's always been in jujitsu, and she's been that she's held that brown belt for some time and has competed. So I'm surprised she's not a black belt yet. Um, she's not, you know, didn't post on her Instagram at least that she's gotten promoted. But uh, her counter-wrestling, though, is something that's kind of had to improve because of her style and where kind of girls force the fight on her. Um, and I think that is going to be a problem. Um, you know, uh, Spencer's probably going to have to get creative with her scrambles, like I said, with a deep half drop. So I'll be curious to see how Cyborg plays that. But Cyborg's a position before submission kind of a grappler, unlike some that we'll talk about uh, below in the card. So, uh, you know... Unless I see her get outclassed on the ground, I gotta do it. You know, I mean, just you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you never know um, how real those things are. But you just see her like suplexing, you know, rampage style out of Tito Ortiz's triangle, 
and things like that. And I've seen her in the room. I, I tried to get a chance to grapple with her when she dropped in back when I was actually uh, regularly uh, in competition and, and, and training with the amateur fight team. And we had some pros in there, and Cyborg dropped in. And holy shit, man. It was just man against boys. Like, she was just manhandling, like, pro lightweights. Um, like, yeah, it, it, amateurs that would go on to be pros and good ones, uh, etc. 170 years. Like, it was just in the grappling, especially. He's like, no one could touch. It was ridiculous. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so. I mean, so I, I, I got to pick Cyborg here. And more specifically, uh, even though, you know, for those reasons, I could see her staying safe in the grappling unless she completely makes a dumb move and, and, and gives her back, um, which she has before, by the way. I mean, look, Yana Kudinskaya did it when she was turtling out. I think that was more of a careless thing. Like, she knew Yana didn't have anything to offer, so she just kind of crawled to the cage, which isn't a bad thing, but just the lax, kind of the lackadaisical. There's urgency, but the lackadaisicalness in the technique in it that won't cut it against Spencer. She'll she'll still make life hell. Um, and even if she doesn't get the back, do I think Cyborg can fight out of it? Yes, I actually do. But boy, you're gonna be sweating if you bet if you lay that big chalk. Uh, ultimately, I think Cyborg gets her in the countering department. You know, Spencer is a black belt in Taekwondo, but at boxing range, it's her kind of it's it's her weakest on paper. And then she shifts a lot, so even good strikers when they shift, they can be hit there. Um, and that's what I see. I see that counter right cyborg right hand hitting. Spencer looks like she has a good chin and is not turned off by adversity, but gun to the head, you got to go cyborg here. So uh, I ain't laying the chalk. I'm staying away. Maybe I'll sprinkle on Spencer if it, if it inflates past plus 500 again. But uh, yeah, pick a cyborg. All right, next fight. Uh, Jeff, hands of steel, Neil, minus 345 versus Nico Price, two, plus 285. Um, <laughs> the only thing I wrote down here was safe Sayud impression because I just love him and he, when he gets heated in these uh, close fights with his fighters and, and shouts at that gym by the way but like he hits up like <laughs> listen Jeff you get in I will fucking rip your eyes off you want it you want this one huh do you want me to come in there do you want because I if you don't put your fucking hands up I will cut your children with a dull and rusty do you want me to cut your fucking kids get in there fuck <laughs> that's what I just feel like he's doing it. Uh, oh god uh, love it or hate it how can you not appreciate it <laughs> or, I don't know I don't know if that makes sense but I <laughs> I appreciate it anyways I actually think the line's right here I'm seeing a lot of plays on Nico Price yet the line's not really moving that way I just think because it's that defense man I think and, and Jeff Neal's even his takedown defense kind of surprised me against Bilal Muhammad. I think Bilal Muhammad provided an excellent test um, in showing how much is shored up and things that you wouldn't think maybe aren't there, uh, aren't there or weren't there before but could be there, like body shots. Um, Nico looks like he's been putting work in with some strikers, kind of doing the roundabout training, not just training at that kind of, not home gym, but, you know, the, the, whatever gym that he kind of built himself or invested in himself Looks like he's going to actual boxing gyms and stuff like that. So hopefully they're they're seeing that and working on how to fight south paws and how to go to the body. I believe off the top of my head, Nico is one and one against uh South Paws. He beat Joe Ban, obviously, with that counter right hand, but between Joe Ban's suspect chin and Nico's power, that can put him back into any fight. Or maybe he's two no, because Neil uh not you know, Tim Means, who I love, and we'll talk about that too. 
Yeah, he's 2-0 against Southpaws. So, he, you could say he's done well, but uh, I don't know. Both those guys are better strikers than him, and, you know, one never been stopped before, the other's been stopped a lot, so it's tough to say, but just Nico is that guy. He's always going to be that live dog. That's what's keeping me playing the chalk, even though I can see why it got so high on Neil. I'm not going to play it for that reason. Uh, I've picked against Nico so many times just because I don't see the technical prowess a lot of times there. I've, you know, it's getting better. He's not as herky-jerky as he initially was, which really just had me scratching his head, how, how he was getting the lines he was getting, whether he was a dog or not, and still just outperforming him. <laughs> um I get it a little more, I guess you could say, and I'm definitely fearful of it and respectful of it. Uh, he definitely has the advantage on the ground, but judging from the takedown defense I saw from Neil, I don't think he's going to get it from there. And, uh, yeah, man, just just Neil's ability to chain together off that left side and still have right-hand offerings from the check hook. Um, it's hard to go against Neil here. Uh, I don't know if you want to, you know... Take that Gianni the Greek bet. Man, everybody hates that guy, huh? It's funny. I get it, too. I mean, the guy, he's got a shady history if you want to look it up. Um, I love, by the way, I always love the uh, the Wesley Colvin at your UK fan uh, pictures, uh, screenshots on guys. He always catches guys at their least flattering moments and the retweeted the lay the juice. And uh, that just seems to fit all the, all the, the plays he seems to want to give out. Or, you know, technically not give out. Kind of plays that line of uh, uh, the language there. And, uh, yeah, I get it. Especially people who actually put work and grind. I'm sure a lot of y'all could do better jobs too. So, But it kind of just brings that out in people as well, which is, eh. Hey, this guy might deserve the hate, but uh, I don't know. I just kind of laugh about it. I can't take, you can't take that stuff too seriously, folks, so. But I enjoy watching it, so keep keep doing it. It's, it's funny. And then it's just funny to see it on Twitter and then look up when I'm at Contender Series because he, he comes and sits by media and uh, for certain fights, and he definitely did for the fights that he came out for the fights that uh, uh, he bet on, and then he'll go back to the booth, you know? But, uh, yeah, man, he's guy looks like he should be fucking poolside with, like, fucking Hani Yaya in some 80s film or some, some schlocky 80s film. What's going on, everybody? Yeah. Some gold chains and fucking... Open, open fucking Hawaiian shirts with their furry chest, right? Hey. Uh, but yeah, he was. He, what I was referring to is he said, to, to "Don't play the distance line," which apparently opened at plus money. But yeah, that thing is juiced up, anyways. Um, not a ton of props, although one I did look at and uh, I sprinkled on it, but I actually ended up taking him straight up because the line came down. One of the more popular bets, speaking of uh, Gianni the Greek, and I don't know if people are tailing him or what, but like a, a lot of, uh, it seems to be a popular bet is, is Aubin Mercier, uh, who, let's look at the odds here. Yes, I want to stay logged in. Armin Suyuki and minus 170. Uh, Aubin Mercier, come back on him, plus 150 as your underdog. Um, yeah, man. Uh, <clears throat> Yemen. Yeah, man. No, uh, I, 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 I like OAM a lot, and uh, by experience alone, he marries a shot. He merits a shot as an underdog, but uh, he the favorite here, I believe, is deserved. Now, 
Shouts to OEM for, again, using apparently using a handicapper to, uh, according to my man, Aaron Bronstetter there. Finally got his blue check mark. Uh, shouts to Aaron. Um, as he tweeted yesterday that uh, Aubin used a, uh, a MMA handicapper and gave him like, like three pages worth and this and that and yada, yada, yada. Um, so I don't I don't know who that is. I don't think it's Johnny the Greek or hopefully it's not any handicappers that are laying a bet on him because like I don't know I, not that I'm the fucking any authority on the matter, but uh, and because I've only done it a couple times and it was for the same guy, no longer in the UFC. It was he fights years ago, Roy Roy Nelson. Um, whenever I did that for like a, a fighter that was in the UFC, uh, there'd be lines on. I didn't bet on that fighter. Uh, that was a. Uh, Okay, I actually did it twice. I'm sorry, I did it twice. Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, and both times I, I never bet on that fighter out of principle because even though you're trying to give them an unbiased report, you are now biased because you were invested, uh, whether or not you think or care if they win, and you're just doing it for them kind of coldly. There's there's still some investing that goes on in there. But uh, hold on, I'm gonna pause for one second. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. Whew. Coffee this morning. That's another thing I got to think of when I do this YouTube thing. Like, how is old Dan Tom here going to make it? Like, you're going to pause the fucking chat of a recap or the, the you know, the thing on <laughs> YouTube. Like, hold on, got to pee. Don't listen. Let me mute my mic. Uh, sorry about that. You didn't need that. Back to the matchup of OAM versus Saryukin. Um And, uh... This isn't a... And this isn't... So, again, he merits a bet as an underdog, and this isn't me just going the other way. Like, if you remember, there wasn't a lot of big chalk on that Russia card, I believe, and uh, Islam Makachev was one of them, and he was a popular parlay piece, and I picked Makachev, but I was one of the few people, I didn't see anybody really talking about Saryuki, and I was saying, dude, the Saryuki guy's got some skills, and he could fucking wrestle, which is going to make it interesting. He also has the power, you know, for a knockout, um... Which also made me shaky on my prop, which is why I kind of just more uh, leaned a little heavy. Not heavy, but just uh, he, hedge and either could still come out come out by just playing Saryukin straight here at minus 170. Um, I wasn't sure if it was going to come down more or not. I'm surprised it came down this much, to be honest. Because uh, you have a blueprint of how he lost to how this guy fights. I figured it'd be easy to connect with the OAM. Um... Lost to Alex Hernandez, and Alex Hernandez is nowhere near the uh, the wrestler or grappler that uh, Armin Saryukin is. I mean, not just wrestling. I mean, even when this guy was put on his back like, against Makachev and Makachev's wrist controls, I mean, he was just getting his legs in the fight, constantly using butterflies for leverage, uh, overhooking arms to take that hand out of play, and using those uh, butterfly levers to either elevate elevator up sweep or allow him to just create enough space from the belly down reset re-swim re, re re-wrestle and man it's gonna be an exhausting fight for OAM I mean OAM if he can't you know he's not a, he's a top guy he's gotta be on top he's, he's not a known bottom guy uh, and he's got judo and trains from a good wrestling gym with good partners at, at TriStar but if you're a good wrestler it's gonna be a, a tough road to hoe um Especially when you can offer and fire, you know, fire back. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, um, so yeah, I just I, he, he could. I wouldn't be surprised if sorry you can you know maybe just use his wrestling to keep it on the feet and sparks him out there because you know I think if this striking is 
comparable, but I, I give obviously Taryu get an edge just for his speed and power. Um, OEM, you know, he's kind of predictable from his, his southpaw repertoire. He really leans heavily on his left kicks. They're great, but he leans heavily on them. Uh, could also get him caught and taken down here. So I'm actually going to go Saryukin by decision. And I know, again, I was just preaching at the top of the show, bad decisions are normal in MMA, especially in certain commissions, and this could be one of them, right? Excuse me, but... The bad decisions go both ways in Canada, and we'll talk about it when we get to the Hakeem Dewodu fight. But look no, no, no further than Hakeem Dewodu's last fight in Canada, UFC 231, and he had a scorecard go against him. Uh, in a, a very clear fight. Like, I don't even think I gave a round of Bokniak. And someone gave it 29-28 Bokniak. So, I mean, don't... It, they're bad scorecards, but it's not a, a Canadian-specific thing. Like, uh, maybe other countries, you know, are, are more known to do, like England or Brazil, uh, come to mind. You know, or maybe Russia, for that fear of just not fucking, you know, if you want to live, you better mark the right guy down. But, yeah, um... Canada's up there, but I don't know if it's 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 as as as, as clear cut one way as you can accuse other 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 areas of being. Um, so I, I actually uh, sprinkled a little bit on, on sorry you can I believe plus one twenty one by decision, but then I play put one point five uh, him straight up. Um, so we'll see. I'm zigging when everybody else is zagging, and not really. I feel like it's a clear a clear path. So I'm not sure where the money coming in, and I wish OAM the best. Uh, he actually follows. Follows uh, follows me on Twitter, so hopefully, I don't know if he listens to this shit or not. Uh, he, <laughs> he says he's diving into the handicappers, so m much respect to him. Um, I know he puts in a lot of work. Always been a uh, you know been a fan, but uh, I, I just feel like this is a tough stylistic matchup for him. So yeah, good luck to him. Uh, he needs the win much more, but uh, we'll see. I'm on the other side. Uh, Christoph Yoko minus 170 uh, Canadian Brian Stan Marc-Andre Barriel Power Bar plus 150 um, I had to go back and I, I watched like all of Power Bar's fights he didn't fight like that long ago but I just feel like I forgot all of his stuff again and I got to go rewatch it again um, but I like Yoko here uh, I think it's going to be a deceptively tough fight especially if Yoko gets stuck in the clinch that's where Marc-Andre Barriel does his best work but Yoko's a hard guy to pin down. He moves really well. And now, you know, it makes kind of sense. You know, it's a big change going to America on top team. You think it's going to be good. You're swimming with the bigger guys. You're trying to reset, change to your style. And I guess he just have to find that comfortability, which, of course, it goes for everybody. But more specifically, in his words, get back to his old style. And that worked out for him in his last fight. That free-flowing allowed him to find his strikes, allowed him, more importantly, find his takedowns against Amadovsky. Again, back to that Russia card, I was warning, I don't know why money kept coming in Amadovsky. I'm like, you don't, everyone sees the Dovsky and you, you think Russian. Like, know your geographics, people. The guy's Macedonian. Uh, why do you think he's from Italy? Because Macedonia is right next to uh, Italy. Uh, he's, <laughs> neither are known for their MMA, folks. And uh, he showed that. So that was a, fucking gift um but uh yeah yoko paid off for yoko there and um it pay, yeah it paid off for yoko really well there and uh i think that's gonna do well for him here because he's got that more breakdancing movement and that's gonna make him even harder for burial to pin down but the dangerous thing back to the judging not so much because he's canadian you know but 
Yoko's style makes for mushy scorecards, man, and mushy fights and mushy scorecards. So if he's going more back to the style, it'll also work against him here. So where like I could see him like winning the fight, maybe getting pieced up at certain points in the feet, finding his shots and burial coming, you know, having strong moments in rounds two and three, but Yoko being able to mute it with takedowns, and maybe he still loses a split. So those kind of scenarios alone kept me from playing Yoko here. Um, so unless you really have some inside info or you feel good on burial, uh, unless you're doing a degenerate play on burial, I, I don't know if you really want to be too hard on the dog or the favorite here, to be honest. Um, I feel like the judges are going to fuck this one up or make you sweat it. I, I think that's where this fight's headed. So even like from a, a DraftKings perspective, which I'm trying to remember to say now, more now, um, I would fade this all together. And actually back to the last fight, um, I think that like, you know, unless you're having a hard time finding dogs and you really just want to, but even then, like I said, if Marcy is a popular bet, I got to imagine he's going to be a, a popular dog on DraftKings, uh, especially if you're looking for name value in a car that doesn't have a lot. And you're like, oh, I remember this guy. That's the Canadian gangster guy. He's in Canada. What? He's an underdog. Wait, this guy only has a loss and that's his only fight in the UFC. And you don't really, uh, look or understand his competition. You didn't see his fights. Um, so, yeah, I don't even know if you want to take... Even if you think Open Mercier is going to win and you're betting them, I still don't know if you want to take him on, like, DraftKings. Like, especially if he's looking to get taken down a lot. I want the takedown-heavy guy, man. Not a lot of takedown-heavy guys on this card. Um, so, I don't know what he's listed under DraftKings, but I would I would pay for Saryuki in there as well. I would avoid uh, Barry Yoko. All right, off the main card, on to the prelims. We have Viviani Araujo, minus 185. Line keeps coming down. He has Alexis Davis plus 160. Um, I saw my man Best Fight Picks Dan Levy there tweet out uh, Alexis, the girl beat TKO'd uh, Amanda Nunez as the underdog to the girl that uh, I forget how he worded it, but it was clever. Um, I actually think the lines are right here, folks. And uh, unless Araujo, who, like, who's shown to kind of get tired. You're like, oh, she's working against bigger girls. Maybe not as bigger girl now. She's fighting at 125 as opposed to 135. But the fact is, she's a 115er. Maybe it's good that she. Maybe she's outgrown the weight class. You know, she looks like she's uh, uh got a nice strength and conditioning plan program that uh, might help her outgrow that weight class. But she's still fighting a big 135. I mean, that's some. Uh, I don't know what you call man strength or when a fully developed man, but whatever that is for females, like. Alexis Davis has that, and again, back to a smoogie shout. She kind of just looks awkward on the feet, though, because I can't remember his tweet, but he kind of compared Alexis Davis' stand-up to, like, a like a trailer trash mom holding a kid and a can of beer drunk trying to scrap at the the Sunday barbecue. Like, I'm like, that's a pretty good... And I know I, I don't, I'm already seeing the Cindy Dandelage Davis uh, gifts go everywhere, so I guess... Uh, yeah, you guys can know what I'm saying there. But uh, respect to Alexis Davis, man. She's really been... She's tightened up not just her her overall conditioning and whatnot, which tells you a lot about where a fighter's at, especially maybe a more veteran fighter or veteran female fighter who's already kind of started a family. It's good to see that she still has that drive. And then, and then traveling, splitting camps, you know, doing Team Alpha Male, and then more importantly, CSA, which I, I really respect what they were able to do for their striking uh, Muay Thai, uh, male and female, from, you know, Henry Cejudo to... Uh, you know, Jessica Rose Clark's doing doing time up there as well. Doing time. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, Alexis Davis. So 
she's working on improving, but I still give that striking edge to Araujo. You know, movement, speed, diversity, and even power as far as striking goes. And even when she looks like she's getting tired again, Talita Bernardo, real big girl Bernardo, is a big girl to deal with, but she wasn't able to really use that size. Um, and even though Araujo looked to kind of be fading in her you know, debut at parts, she uh, was still able to get the third round knockout. And that's not her first third round knockout. You know, she's fought good competition. She's gotten late stoppages before, granted at lower weight classes. So um, unless Davis is able to stage some kind of a late rally, um, I don't even know if that's going to be enough for her to kind of get a split scorecard. Um, because Araujo, even on her, her wrestling was good, and she's a black belt herself. And man, she, when she gets on top, I mean, her, her passing was just airtight. I was super impressed with, uh, you know, what she was doing uh, to Bernardo in the grappling exchanges. And uh, Bernardo, you know, not as, as good of a well-rounded fighter or overall fighter as Davis, but grappling's her skill right there. And that and she, Viviani wasn't wasn't having none of it. So I'll take Viviani here. I may throw her in a fun parlay or something for fun, folks. But this isn't one where, I mean, if it comes down a bit, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll play her straight up if she comes into that minus 170 Saryuki in range. But I don't know if I feel confident on the dog or the favorite if I'm you guys here. Or, or these over-unders. I mean, there's even a one-and-a-half female over coming up, and it should be there. It's just, I don't even know, as tempting as they are, I don't trust either of them. We'll get to that one as they come, but... Uh, it's not on my avoids list, but I don't know. Again, I might put it in a fun part, but that's it. I'm not really, I'm not really playing anything serious in this one. Nor do I recommend you to. Next fight, Akeem Duwodu minus four twenty four twenty, bro, uh, versus Yoshinori Hori or Horie Horie as the Scottish announcer from Pancrase likes to share. Uh, he's not fucking Sean Connery, Dan. Relax. I do like that announcer, though. That was not a knock on him. He does a, a fucking a really good job. Much better than his counterpart, whoever that guy is. I know he's a fighter, I believe, so I don't want to talk too much shit there. But, but yeah, shouts to that Scottish announcer for Pancrase Horie. But uh, Yeshinari, I would say it like, as, as an ignorant, like a Brendan Schaub American trying to uh, just insult Asians uh, and exercise my Asian and uh, <laughs> almost borderline sounding offensive. But Yeshinari Hori. Yoshinori Hori, I actually was really super impressed. I had a lot of fun watching Yoshinori Hori footage, man. Um, Dewodu obviously has fought the better experience, but if you know what you're looking at, it's not by as much as you might think. Um, but, oh, well, he got knocked out by Issei Tamura, who's a bantamweight, who just got fucking knocked out of the UFC. Well, yeah, granted, he got the, the you know, Shang Zhang, I think, or whatever. Uh, the Chinese wolf or whatever that guy is. I think he knocked him out, but then, yeah, he got knocked out by... By Dillashawn, I believe a Sun Sao or something. I'm like, come on, like the, those weren't bad guys. This guy's like Issei Tamura is a really good Japanese veteran because he's got the grappling or the wrestling as far as you know, maybe not the submission specialist, but the wrestling to make dog fights of grappling or make hard for grapplers, uh, whether he's participating in the grappling or not. And he's always had that hammer of a right hand. You look at how tick, how tick Tamura was looking. Tinty went up to featherweight, and his. In his later fights, uh, why am I doing it with a bad Irish accent there? Um, and it was the perfect shot, and it was multiple shots. Like he had to hit him with multiple shots, and even though the dude was out on his feet, he's still re wrestling and fighting. It was a good stoppage because the, he was young; he didn't need to be taking that damage. But it's not like he even went out cold. And if he did, it wouldn't have been bad. Like I wouldn't have condemned him for it. Like it was the perfect shot. He went right into the one shot he wasn't supposed to. Aside from that, 
uh, Yoshinori Hori just shows amazing speed and knockout power, man. Um, you know, this is a guy, they're probably not going to because he's in there with Akeem Duodu, who's, uh, you know, I hate saying athletic and explosive because he's, he's, He's a very darkish gentleman who, you know, the, the commentators tend to call all them explosive. Like, they're very flammable. And, I, you know, I always make that joke all the time. And I'll say, you know, why can't one of, you know, Song Yadong's waving that flag of Asians we can actually call explosive? Well, God damn it, Yoshinori Hori is an Asian you can label as fucking explosive. He's going to have the speed edge here. He's going to have just as much power, though not in the leg kick and lower limb department. In fact, that's where I see Duodu having a lot of play and possibly taking Yoshinori Hori out of this fight. The problem is those leg kicks are going to open up that right-hand counter, the one-shot Yoshinori Hori has from many positions. I mean, granted, it was against an elder veteran that was almost like a 10-year disadvantage, but the experience was there. And the veteran was trying to find some crafty shit where he was countering the wrestling of Yoshinori Hori because that's another thing Yoshinori Hori can do here. Though, again, Duwadu showed good defense in his last fight, really improved. It didn't even seem to make him tired. And Bakniak, though not making him work as much as he probably should have, as he could have and many predicted for him to do, he did enough for where I was impressive with Duwadu's takedown defense. That said, I don't think it's as good where it's going to, like, you know... Yoshinori Hori's going to be able to submit him or anything, but like I think Yoshinori Hori can score here, which is something to look out for. And another reason why, even though Dewodu is going to have a kicking advantage, I, you know, I don't know how much he's going to want to go to the body and legs with the takedown and counter. Excuse me, and the counter availabilities there. Like I was saying with that veteran that was trying to get crafty in the clinch, Yoshinori Hori was. Uh, I had a body lock, and the guy tried to do a slick elbow, and he's like, "Okay, I'll wait for you to do that again." And he just timed it. He, you see him brace his head to post and then you know, barely even separated like out of the clinch. He didn't even fully separate. Like He still has his head pressed against him. His head kind of separates as he winds back. His leg goes up. His hand is still in contact because he's practically still in clinching range. And one foot is only on the ground when the punch lands, folks. And don't get me wrong. There's leverage in that. Kind of like a Romanian deadlift. You kind of use that lifting leg to kind of lunge yourself forward. Uh, there's a there's a counterbalancing leverage there for the punch. <laughs> the fact is, he was, you know, like Gabe Gonzaga, Shane Carwin level, like closeness, barely a chamber on the punch, and uh, in close quarters, and just knocks this guy fucking stiffed where he does a backwards do a barrel roll like it's fucking Star Fox and the guy just comes up not knowing where the fuck he is he's in a complete different universe like this dude has some scary power so I'm like ooh this is a dog I'm gonna like like hopefully uh, I'm, I'm, I only started researching this fight yesterday I spent all, uh, about two hours or probably uh, like an hour watching Yoshinori's fights over an hour even though they weren't long I just kind of rewatched a couple of them and I really enjoyed I watched everything I could as other elsewhere as well uh, really enjoyed watching this guy, and I'm like, ooh, maybe I might sprinkle him as a dog, but he's probably, man, they probably got to bet him down to like plus 150. I don't know what he opened at, but I imagine he's going to be plus 150, plus 200 range. And I'm seeing plus 335, and even after Dewodu looks like he had a tough weight cut, last guy to weigh in just five minutes before the bell, he looked really happy, which means it was a hard cut, and he barely got to 146, and he was really happy to do it. Does that mean anything? Who knows? Probably not, guys, but... I was already going to pick and play Yoshinori Hori anyways. Um, and seeing that, you know, I don't want to have any false sense of security because even if he had a perfect weigh-in, uh, I'm still picking Yoshinori Hori, folks. I think he knocks Duodu out. I'm taking him for the upset 
Um, I think it's going to be a close fight, uh, regard uh, unless unless Dewadu hits him again. He can get hit with the right hand too. Obviously, you say Tomorrow did it. Could Dewadu do it? Yeah, obviously, folks. I'm not I'm not putting that pass, but. I like it, man. This guy rolls out from his right hand. He changes levels with his hook and counterbalances right, stays in position. Like, he's got good defense, and Dewodu does too. Uh, it looks like he's really improved his boxing. Like, he didn't show a lot of it till the third round, but he was doing a lot of this really nice levering and changing levels, levering off his left hand with Bosniak. Like, he was doing some slick shit. That being said... When guys have tried to hit him, whether it was Bochniak in a fight that, despite the scorecards, Dewodu was dominating, or Danny Henry, who got off that right hand on him, caught him cold, coming out. Like, Dewodu's hittable. You can hit him. Um, so, I, I don't... You know, I, I don't... Uh, I don't think he's as impervious as he, you know, he looks like he burns more calories uh, trying to look mean than he does trying to, you know, slip his head from punches. Uh, trying to, he spends more time trying to intimidate his opponent. So we'll see, man. We'll see for we'll see. Uh, mean Hakeem, Hakeem. Yeah, we get it, bro. We get it. Like mean face, we get. It. I think like and he, I think he got a new a tattoo like it says mean on his chest. Like we get it, dude. Like the scowl on your face. You have the the fists, the like the Black Panthers looking fist on your chest, like right next to the word mean. Like we un believe me, brother. We get it. <laughs> we get it, mean Hakeem. Hopefully Danny Austin doesn't come after me. That's his guy. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I, I like Minaki, man. He does some really slick shit. I'm really stoked to see where he goes from here. I just think he can get caught by the underdog here, folks. So I'm picking it and I'm playing it. I know. Bold move, Cotton. But uh, I got Hori by first round knockout. All right. Uh, next fight, Gavin Tucker still holding as a favorite. Money coming in on Sangwoo Choi. That was another one that, 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 that the Greek gambler was, was on, uh, Sangu Choi. And you could tell this guy, I love people that use, I don't like stats personally. Like, And that was kind of the thing too. Like, Even though Mercier was really complimentary of whoever gave it to him, it sounded like they pretty much tied it into stats and numbers, which is fine. And that's fun. But the number, sample sizes, I think I saw a tweet. It was Luca Fury or something. Shouts to Luca. Or maybe retweeted or kind of uh, pontificated on by Rob Brown Benning. Both guys I, I respect a lot there. Shouts to both of them. Um, and we're talking about how numbers, you know, and I agree. I'm not, I'm not very much of a numbers guy. Some people are more heavy on that. That's fine. Uh, some people do a better job than others. Uh, Luke Thomas, for example, does a good job when he likes to, he's the guy that likes to use numbers. It's not my style. I'm not hating on it. But there are some people, and again, Luke does a great job, but like some people are not trying to pile on to the Picking on Gianni the Greek, but some people that kind of like you could tell. Okay, this is complete you know bullshit. Uh, you want to take a shot on the dog here? Uh, the more active Korean Koreans have a lot of fight on them. We don't know what the fuck. I'm a big fan of Tucker, but we'll get into it here in a second. We don't really know what the fuck he's going to come come with with this much time off, this much training uh, camps and traveling and changes of things. Uh, so if you want to take a shot on the dog here, there's no 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 problem in that. In fact, that's probably the only play here, the dog or pass. Um, I'll probably play Tucker like a degenerate if this line keeps fading because, uh, again, there's not much to play outside of degenerate stuff, at least in my opinion, at least for me. But this is a stay-away fight. This is on my avoid list. Um, you know, you avoid a couple of these fights, uh, but this is my first official one on the avoid list. Um, but, uh, again, no hate if you are taking the dog, but you, you listen to a guy like Johnny the Greek use the numbers and, and break down why he's making this play. Uh, it's like, oh, six inches reach advantage, the height advantage. Like, that means fucking nothing in MMA. You have to know what the fuck you're looking at. Like, 
it, it, style, I will still say style is much more important. Again, not necessarily for betting. I'm not the best better. There are many better people at that. Betting is different than analyzing. But if you're going to make a bet and your analysis for said bet is fucking off just vacant numbers like that that really don't hold a lot of water in MMA, boy, I hope you... You you must be he must, he must be a good con man and a good talker because uh, the facts don't necessarily make sense there, um, but yeah, uh, Troy can do some fun stuff even though he's tall. He's coordinated with himself. Uh, obviously, Evolev just took him right out of his game. We didn't get to see a lot of the kicks and spinning elbows and spinning shit that he kind of does and the, the the fun blitzes. Like, and he's a tough Korean like most Koreans are, um, and he's not necessarily terrible. Uh, on the ground from who he trains with and from what very little footage I could see. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's really hard. You got to factor in how good that Evolev guy is. And I know he wasn't the biggest man, uh, featherweight, and neither is Tucker. So it's going to be, you know, and Tucker can, can change levels too. That's going to be a thing he's going to have here. He's going to have that level-changing shot in his back pocket. Uh, I think he's the better grappler. Um... And I think he can outpoint him as well on the feet. So I actually like Tucker here. I was really impressed with him. You guys remember back to UFC Halifax. I was one of the few defending the favorite play, uh, line and actually laying the, the chalk on him. Uh, and he showed why. Uh, and granted, that was a certain styles matchup. That I think it was going to favor him in Sam Cecilia, even though Sam was much more experienced. And that was the thing, though, ultimately. Even though I didn't think it was going to, I was confident it was going to affect him in that spot. Eventually, he was going to get taxed, right? And he did against uh, Rick Glenn. And uh, I was probably, you know, I don't think I overlooked Glenn. Like, I knew about Glenn, and I respect Glenn, but I think I was, A, high on Tucker. And also, that was one of my first times with MMA Junkie, and I was doing that military trip. So I was kind of, that was an insane week. I was deathly sick. So I really, I barely got the podcast out, and I don't know how much research I was able to do in the prelims. Um, I know I was still doing my full card, main card breakdown back then. All as one article. So I know, obviously, I was fucking still grinding. Uh, grinding harder, if anything. But, yeah. Uh, that one just snuck up. And that was just a, a brutal beating, man. And that was because, kind of like, this dangerous thing. Like, Rick Lynn would be the guy, like... <laughs> Rick Lynn would be a behind boxer death. I shouldn't be joking about that. With everything that happened, that actually pretty uh, disgusted me this week. Uh, in many ways. and just makes me really bummed out. But you hear about those... That, that's the kind of formula, right? It's a guy who can't hit hard, but can just hit and outclass a guy just enough, and that was kind of one of those fights. Um, and thankfully, I'm amazed only three rounds because that ref wasn't stopping it, sadly. Um, anyways, uh, Gavin Tucker, the one interview I could find of him, thankfully, was with Junkie. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he seems to be really moving past that. Uh, I like his weirdness, but that weirdness could t certainly be turning people off for bets, which is another reason why we're seeing money come in on the Korean. Um Again, it's a wait and see. You know, he still trains at Titan over there in Halifax as his home base, but for jujitsu, but training TriStar, which is good. He's been there for months now. Uh, made return trips to Thailand, included Amsterdam, as well as taking jujitsu and boxing trips to New York for some high level training in both those departments. So I'm expecting good things out of Tucker. I'm expecting him to win, but this is a wait and see spot. Uh, I don't see how you could be too comfortable or confident in either guy. Uh, so the pick is Gavin Tucker, but it's on the avoid list, folks, for a reason. Uh, also on the avoid list, and maybe not. Maybe it's because of the avoid list. I love both these guys. Competitive fight. I wish it wasn't going to happen. But I, I do have an interesting theory on why it could be a trap-ish on the avoid list. Uh, your favorite and the person who I love 
and I'm picking here Alejandro Pantoja. You know, I've been big on him for a minute. Minus 130 versus Davison Figueiredo. Plus 110. Another guy I've been big on, but uh, got muted his last time out by um, uh, Juicy A Formiga. Uh, so maybe Formiga was on the upswing, but then when I went back and rewatched it, I was like, no, I'm not too... Imp- I mean, he is on a renaissance on paper, if you look at it, but Formiga really isn't doing too much different, despite... Being on this run, changing camps, American top team. Uh, he just fought a really veteran fight, you know. Um, stood as long as he had to and went for the takedowns at the right times. And um, the thing with Pantoja, though, is Pantoja can give guys the fight they want, uh, standing wise. Now, his defense and overall striking technique has gotten better since he's moved shot to the States, did some training over Arizona with. Henry Cejudo, this camp, and I believe the last at American top team. So his technique and overall game is really, uh, not really, but I mean, it's continued to improve and sharpen up. It's not so much like if you watch early Pantoja fights before the UFC even, um, like you could tell he left all his fucks back in Brazil. He's just like, "Mm, I don't need him for this trip. I'm packing light. And like would just run into guys' shit and just depend on his chin and durability and his pressure would eventually break, break guys down. I mean, he wasn't a slouch on the feet either. He was firing back, but he just... He took a bit that kind of made you, you know, if you're a Pantoja supporter, you'd be like, mm, I don't know if you need to do that, dude. Come on. I, I love your style, and it makes you you, but oh, you're going to pay for that. And, and maybe you could hear, you know, he's only gotten better, and Figueredo has shown that, you know, he does have a, his athletic freakishness and built-in skills from his jiu-jitsu. I believe he has a jiu-jitsu black belt, but even though he doesn't really use it uh, as much, um, and his, his knockout power, his kung fu Muay Thai there, amalgamation. But here's where the trap thing can happen. He looks impressive, right? Pantoja, kind of those skills that I've been talking about sharpening. Gets the knockout win. He's on this run. But as much as you guys know I love Wilson Hayes, but Wilson Hayes, man, I mean, he's the one guy where I don't like to jump on the chin suspect thing, but he's a guy where you can because of the results. Even where he hasn't gotten knocked out, he's been rocked in a lot of his fights. And at flyweight, the lighter weight classes where knockouts happen less, if a guy starts getting sparked out easily, it's usually a sign of something. So not trying to take away from that win. I'm just worried that Pantoja is inflated by that win. And what if he just starts believing in his hands going, ah, I can read shit now. Because you could tell he was going to replicate that Henry Cejudo style, using a little bit of that kind of karate karate right-hand counter blitz. And what if he just starts getting real confident with that and then just runs right into something with Figueredo, you know? Um, He's got the takedowns and the back control to bank rounds. He's going to be the better grappler, scrambler. and he may be even be the better wrestler when you incorporate the scrambling part of it. But Figueredo is strong. I got to imagine. I, I couldn't really find him on the Instagram. I don't know if he's back at uh, Team Alpha Male, which wouldn't be a bad looks, you know, the scrambling. But I got to imagine he's addressed that wrestling. He's going to be a live dog here. So uh, I'm just going to stay away and enjoy the hell out of a fight. Uh, both guys. So there's that. That's why that's my justification for being on the avoid list. Last one officially on the avoid list. Um... Jillian, the Savage Robertson, minus 140. Sarah Frota. I don't know why I always want to equate her with Frieza from Dragon Ball Z. By the way, was Frieza a guy or a girl, guys? I kind of tuned out as a kid after a while, like after she went to three, Phase 4. You know, 
Come to think about it, in more of our new age terminology, maybe uh, maybe she was trans. Maybe Frieza was trans, right? Maybe the Japs did that on purpose. I'm Japanese, by the way. Maybe the Japs did that on purpose. <laughs> you know, they're they're, uh, they're pretty sexually liberal with their cartoon. They had to edit the shit over before it got to the states. You know, there was there were some holes missing. That old Dan Tom's perverted head. Dan, get back to the breakdown. I'm sorry. I was just curious. You know, with the with the transitions. You know, Frieza phase three, phase four, maybe. Okay, guys, I'm just. I don't know what that has to do with the breakdown. Frieza possibly being a tranny. All right, guys. Tranny is offensive. I'm not transphobic. Relax, folks. Um, frota. 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 She also looks like that character from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Dan, just get... Stay on target. Stay on target. I was looking to bet Frota here. Um, you know, I was looking to bet her in the last fight, too. Especially she missed weight. But she just... She didn't fight like that dog. Like, you would like to see her fight, uh, fight at. Uh, maybe she felt the higher level. And um, Jillian Robertson, man, I think she's gonna she's definitely gonna be the better wrestler because there really wasn't any counter wrestling for her. Um, but we've seen her get you know uh, submitted by uh, other grapplers too. She's hit the surprise on grapplers, been submitted, overperform, underperform. It's hard to get a beat on on Robertson, but you know she's gonna be aggressive. And you know she's going to dictate it into her kind of fight. So as long as she stays safe, I actually see her winning this fight. Uh, Frota, obviously the more dangerous striker. But Robertson doesn't stay around long enough to mess around on the feet. And if she needs to make adjustments, I think she will. She was able to not need to without net, uh, being successful the last two times out in enemy territory without Dean Thomas. She's not in enemy territory. She has Dean Thomas. So maybe that means she loses because MMA is like that. Um, but I'll pick her and I'll, I'll avoid a play. I just don't think Frota, you can't really depend on her, even though she's got a full camp. It's going to be in better shape for this one. That really didn't seem like it was the issue last time out. Uh, fight IQ and shape wasn't really, you know, seems like they're going to be the same regardless. So the pick is Robertson, but it's on the avoid list. Sorry about that sidetrack, man. I just, you know, I got these questions that are unanswered. <laughs> All right. Last fight, Kyle Stewart, uh, Iron Boy champion, minus 120, versus Eric Newbreed Coke, who's been bouncing back and forth from even to dog money. Um, I'm actually going to take Eric Coke here. If I sprinkle on him, it'll only, because, it'll only be degenerate, only because there's a plus plus sign on his name. I'm not confident at all. Um, if, style, if he's not able to establish himself in the first round, it feels like Eric Coke ends up fighting the other guy's fight. Um, and even though Kyle Stewart... He seems to be, you know, he seems to be refocused. I was listening to a James Lynch interview. He seems to be refocused on the grappling, uh, which makes sense with the way how his last fight goes and also kind of makes sense because they lost their striking coach over there. So um, it sounds like he's really just spending the time in between putting on the gi and, and, and doing more grappling. We'll see how that works for him, but the grappling advantage is going to be by Coke, who, by the way, wins all his fights by rear naked choke the way Kyle Stewart lost his last fight. And I can see why, because even in his other loss against James Nakashima, uh, Nakashima, granted, was more of a wrestler, so he was opting more for rides, but he was giving his back a lot there, too. So um, it would be interesting to see how he does that, or if he just, you know, Eric Koch would be happy to play position on him, too. So uh, I think Koch can do some grappling in this fight. And if he wants to stand, Kyle Stewart's only loss is coming to Southpaws, Nakashima and, and, and Chance for Encounter. So um, granted, again, those were more for grappling the way he lost those fights, not so much striking, but hey, the statistics are on his side. Again, I'm not going to, you know, swing on those like like the examples I gave you before. Um, 
But yeah, Coke's going to really have to change up his shot selection. Maybe since he's not fearing the takedown as much, he had Clay Guida in the back of his mind. And for good reason, you can't overlook Bobby Green's wrestling background. Uh, he did use it sometimes there. Maybe he doesn't think about it as much here, and that allows him to strike better. Uh, he's up at 170, which actually didn't surprise me, even though Coke used to fight at 145, because he's just, I don't know how he made 145. And then even at 155, I was just like, how did, how's he making this weight? He's fucking big. He just looks jacked. I don't know what he's doing, but he looks healthier at 170. Um, and Kyle Stewart isn't like a grappler. He isn't a physically imposing force. He cuts from a lot of weight, like 195, 200-ish. But at the same time, and he, he's, cut, he's coming down lighter from this fight. He's got a better weight cut than his last fight, which should help him. But again, he, he doesn't look like the most physical guy or the athletic guy, nor is that something he needs in his style. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Kyle Stewart's got a pace. He's got some... Uh, you know, uh, a good one-two off the counter. He comes, He has a bit of karate in his background, too, so he's really comfortable with the distance management. I I just feel like Eric Koch has more ways to win and at the underdog, um, if you're looking for underdogs. I don't know if he's a great DraftKings play. Maybe he could be a, a, a low-key one um, because he could go for takedowns and get a finish, uh, but uh, the pick is Eric Koch. All right. How do we do on time as we're reviewing here? Uh, one, one twelve. All right. So from the top, folks, I'm taking Max Holloway over Frankie Edgar. Uh, I'm taking. Ishihori. Aller. Huh. I don't know what I wrote there. Anyways, taking Max Holloway over Frankie Edgar, taking Chris Cyborg over Felicia Spencer, taking Jeff Neal over Nico Price, taking Armin Saryukin over Taryukin over Olivier Olmin Mercier, taking Christophe Yotko over Canadian Brian Stan, Mark Andre Berriot, taking Viviana Araujo over Alexis Davis, taking ha oh taking Yoshinori Hari over Hakim Dewodu, Mean Hakim, taking Gavin Tucker, who's Miles Teller from uh, Whiplash over Sengwoo Choi. Came out of the Korean factory looking funny. <laughs> Damn, that was mean. Uh, Shouts to my Korean brothers and sisters. Come on now. You know, you know I got love for the, the hardest fighting people. Hey, I told you last time with, with, with the race wars, the race wars hold true, right? Even in a boring card, who was the best fight? Korea versus Mexico, baby. It's the best race war right there. That sounds so wrong, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Come on, folks. It's all love. It's all love here. Taking Alexandre Pantoja over Davison Figueredo. Taking Jillian Robertson over Sarah Frota. Taking Eric Koch over Kyle Stewart. No parlay pieces. Playing Hori straight up at plus 335 through a unit on him. Uh, taking Saryukin uh, to balance out with the, for some favorite action at minus 171.5 units. Um... I may sprinkle on that uh, plus money that the fight maybe goes the distance for the main event, but I'll probably stay away from the main event. And I sprinkled, if I'm being honest, and sorry, you can buy decision plus 121. Fights to avoid Tucker versus Choi, Robertson versus Frota, and Pantoja versus Figueredo. All right, that's it, folks. Thanks for sticking with me. I appreciate it. Apologies for the later episodes, as per usual. But, hey, you get some full takes. Uh, energetic Dan in the morning. We know who's weighing in. We know who's fighting. We know who's not. And we're under, or out of here in under an hour and 20 minutes. So, good luck with your picks and plays this weekend. And always, protect and
Adios.